Standards, the first of hopefully many podcasts, about standard and all of the things that aren't quite good enough to be in it. We're also going to talk about everyone's favorite, Commander and or EDH when there's time. And uh, that's pretty much the gist of the show. It's a short one, but we hope it's a good one. My name is Steve, and my co-host is John. Hey, hi, John. Uh, hello, all my fellow listeners. Why am I saying fellow listeners? I, I don't know. You're, you're going through a bit of an existentialist crisis right now. I am. I am existential. <laughs> all right. So, uh, a little bit about us. Uh, first off, I've been playing Magic since uh, around revised edition, so about 3,056 years ago. I quit after Urza's Legacy and started again after Onslaught. Then I quit again after Kamigawa and started again with Zendikar. Yep, that's almost the same story that I have. Um, I started playing right around the time that Revised and 4th Edition were coming out. 4th uh, Edition, I think Ice Age was the next set that was going to be out after that. It's like the good old days of Magic where cards, you know, cost 8 mana for a 2-2. Two, two. You know, nothing was overpowered except the cards that were banned in Legacy and uh, Vintage. <laughs> um, the yeah. Shade was an auto-include in black. It was. It was. And I also stopped playing Magic around Urza's Legacy because I thought the cards were too powerful and thus uh, did not buy any of those cards, sadly. <laughs> Man, what a trendy hipster I was. Yes. So, and then, ironically enough, I came back to Magic around Mirrodin block, which was another dark time in Magic's history where we had a lot of bannings and you know overpowered cards, although I did enjoy my Ravager in the day. And quit again around Kamigawa uh, era. It's like I was going to college and moving on, and and uh, got got done with that. Uh, found Magic again right around the time that Alara Reborn came back. Uh, it, it was was coming out. Um, came back to Magic at that time. Uh, started playing again really seriously about uh, time Magic 2010 came around, and the I had to learn a bunch of new rules because there was no damage on the stack anymore. It was That's true. I was still very confused about Mog Fanatic. Ah, that darn Mog Fanatic. So, Steve, what is your favorite magic color? Well, I'd have to say that my favorite color is red. It's aggressive, it's silly, and it's uncomplicated. Or at least it's uncomplicated if you don't count Warp World, uh, Brand, Goblin Game, let's see, Falling Star, Thieves Auction, Illicit Auction... Earthbind, that one's really confusing. Elkin Lair, uh, Impulsive Maneuvers, Player Canar, Player Player Chaos, uh, A Raging River. Um, did I mention that Red has Lightning Bolt? Lightning Bolt is a great card. Yes, Red's going to have Lightning Bolt for at least a few more months. And the uh, the new rumor I heard is that Incinerate is going to be in Magic 2012, replacing Lightning Bolt. But at least it Red's mind Incinerate. Yes, at least Red's getting Grim Lavamancer back as well. So. <gasps> Oh, that's news to me. I didn't see that. Yep, it just was announced today. So that is some interesting news there for rad players. They're taking away. (laughs) They're taking away, you know, all of the good stuff about red. But they're giving you other good stuff about red. So it seems like a very good strategy to boost sales. (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. Uh, As far as me, I would say I'd, I I always get a difficult time with this question. It's one of those things that people always ask you sitting at the gas station. Hey, buddy, what's your favorite magic color? 
but uh, I'd have to say usually it's about it's green. I I I always gravitate back to green. You know that eight year old side of me that wants to just cast crawlworms all day. Just just curious, where do you get your gas? <laughs> well, you know, Urza's pump and go. You know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's. That sounds like a legendary land. It does, um, doesn't it? Uh, but you know, I like I like all the other colors of magic as well, aspects of them at least. I think I'd have to say I really like white and blue at times as well. Um, you know, white because they're kind of like the lawgivers of of the world of magic in this lawless land, and blue because you know I can play with other people's toys if I play with blue. So it's true. <laughs> Blue is one of those amazing colors. It just sort of does everything other every other color does, and at times slightly better. Um, talking about standard is obviously the focus of the show, and uh, I thought it'd be interesting if we talked a little bit about our favorite historical standard decks. Um, you know, I mean, we've obviously been playing for quite a while, and we've been playing standard for quite a while. Uh, so, you know, I, I thought I'd lead it out by saying that uh, my favorite standard deck was Wonder Dog. Back in the deep darkness of 2002, uh, for those who aren't familiar with Wonder Dog, um, there there arose a little deck called Wonder Dog. It had some amazing playability, uh, and amazingly, it, it had no rares. It relied very heavily on the madness mechanic, and uh, mashed blue and green together into a monstrous aggro hybrid that was ridiculously fun to play with and against. The whole deck cost maybe 20 bucks, and it was competitive which was a stark contrast to the standard season of 2004, when Arcbound Ravager reared its ugly head and brought a, uh, well, not compared to Cargo, but nevertheless expensive, dreary, gray palette of standard sameness until they banned Skullclamp and Disciple of the Vault. I think yeah. those are the two that got banned, right? Yeah, well, they decided, too, that, you know, that wasn't enough because Affinity kept running wild, so they had to ban all the artifact lands and uh, Ravager, I believe, as well, so... <laughs> yeah. This should sound a bit familiar to uh, those of you who've gotten into Standard later, or are currently in it. Uh, for those of you who are interested in learning more about Standard Circuit 2002, uh, there is a uh, link in the notes for this episode. Uh, it'll take you to the Wizards website, and you can learn all about Wonder Dog and all <laughs> of the other fun uh, Wonder Dog-like builds that dominated the Standard pre-Mirrodin. Lowered Standards, bringing you decks. From 2002. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, at least we're delivering what we say we're going to deliver. That's right. Well, as far as I was concerned, you know, I, I've had quite a few different favorite standard decks over the years, although I have to say my favorite is probably one of the ones you mentioned. I was one of those evil soulless bastards that loved Ravager decks. In fact, I still have a Ravager Affinity deck assembled. Just in case someday, you know, it's okay in Legacy and Nullrod is no longer around. But <laughs> you know, Nullrod kind of, you know, just gives the big middle finger to, to Ravager decks and most artifact-themed decks. So, you know, I, I, so I was kind of excited, we'll just say, when they went back to Mirrodin in the latest um, uh, standard rotation here, Scars of Mirrodin block. It was kind of like reliving the glory days, except with all of, like, you know, without... The terrible Ravager dominating the format. Oh, oh, wait! There was a deck that dominated the format. <sighs> <laughs> but that is uh, probably the biggest news in Magic right now is that that deck is dead. It is but dead. I, I mean, Squadron Hawk didn't get banned, but uh, you know everything else that made the deck good kind of gone. 
Since I doubt that your answer is, Kago, what is your favorite current standard deck? Well, I'd have to say that I like red. I've piloted red deck wins in some form or another for the past two years. Um, I like Goblin Guide a lot. I think it's a really neat card, very red, like in the spirit of the color. Um, Goblin Bushwhacker with Devastating Summons, I also really enjoyed. Hypocritically, I did not like Koldatha Red. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and lately, I've been amusing myself by trying to make Mono Green Poison happen, uh, and so far, it has not, not happened. Well, yes. So, so right now, you're really into the whole aggro, trying to run people out of the board strategy. Exactly. Just right away, you're just going to go right at them, which is kind of it's ironic. Aggro that feels like combo. Yeah, it, it, it can. It can, yeah. And it's kind of ironic because, uh, you know, I, I really do like combo-y control decks. I did give Kago a try um, back right after Besiege was released. I played with the swords. Um, you know, didn't have a chance to play with Batterskull. I just decided, you know, it wasn't the deck for me. It was f- fun enough, but it, I, I ended up selling off my Jaces, which meant I couldn't play blue anymore. Uh, so I, uh, I transitioned over to um, a little deck known as Eldrazi Green uh, Ramp, um, which, as one can surmise by that statement, you use green spells to ramp yourself up to a point where you can cast giant freaking huge aliens from another dimension. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I mostly saw it as a great answer to Kago, um, because it didn't really matter if they, you know, they couldn't counter my Emrakul, and it didn't really matter if they countered my Ulamog, because I could just, you know, go get him back with my Ayabugan and, you know, destroy something in the process, so, uh, I ended up piloting that deck recently, um, about three months ago at our, uh, Minnesota Regionals, um, to National Qualifier, and ended up in, uh, second place. On the day, so yep. So I was get... there. <laughs> I did not get second. <laughs> I think uh, I placed one above the middle, maybe, or one below. It was one of those. I felt good about how I did, even though I did poorly. Um, I played against the guy who got first the year before, and I think I played pretty well. I, I won that game. Um, he was a very good player, good opponent, and uh, you know, I, I think I just got the, the better draws. Um, I, I kind of went on tilt after I lost to Eldrazi Green, the deck that I didn't play against you, uh, but I, I don't know. There was, for some reason, I played against another Eldrazi Green deck, and I didn't like that deck as much as I like playing against your deck. It felt like, I don't know, I don't know what it was exactly, but it was kind of like I got beat by Overgrown Battlement, and the part of me that's a, a raging goblin needing to destroy... Uh, was just demoralized by losing to what is, in a sense, a, a big patch of flowers. Um, so, you know, that 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 kind of that kind of just knocked me off my game, and the rest of it was just sort of me phoning it in. So, um, basically, the topics we're going to go to this week, now that we've kind of talked a little bit about what we like um, and our background in magic, the first topic I think we're going to talk about is going to be the banning of Stoneforge and Jace the Mind Sculptor. After we're done talking about... Uh, this topic, we're going to move on to uh, some standard decks that are in the firmly casual standard um, set of, of Magic. Uh, basically, the, the deck Fresh Meat um, that is posted on the Wizards.com website. And uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about some of our favorite little tricks in Commander. Our love would be forever. 
Mind Sculptor have been banned in standard play, unless you use Stoneforge Mystic in the new Phyrexia event deck. The mm-hmm. exact list. So, uh, I, wh- what do you think about it, Steve? What do you think about this earth-shattering moment in Magic history? We haven't had this happen for seven years since Archbound Ravager and his friends That's decided true. to take a Wizards I mean, of the I've... Coast dust stamp. I I I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that my uh, opinion on it is going to be much more insightful than your average forum post. But um, having lived through a ban previous, I can sort of sit on a porch like a grizzled old prospector and say, "Well, back in the dark steel days," uh, and and maybe draw some similarities or conclusion, whatever. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's great personally. I think with Jace out of the picture. Uh, the poor college student demographic can finally stop selling their organs and or the organs of their friends to play standard. Um, uh, the teenagers with limited control over their parents' income can take Jace off of their Christmas and birthday wish lists and ask for something genuinely useful like uh, new sneakers or college tuition. That's true. That's true. And, you know, homeowners, they don't need to get a second mortgage just mm-hmm. to play Cago now. Um, I, you know, yeah. it's, I, I agree. I mean, uh, I like I said I had I did have a playset of mind sculptors. Um, I I when we got back into the game, uh, you know, it wasn't a car hadn't come out yet, but you know I, I realized that you know Chase the Mind Sculptor when after World Rate came out was a great card. I needed to have four of them if I wanted to play standard in any sort of you know capacity. So I bit the bullet and went on you know your random auction website. And, uh, yeah, from the guy at that gas station. That's right. There's this pump and go, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I picked him up off of there, and I played with them for a while. I, I used different different decks. I think they actually appeared in Mythic at first. Um, I, I ran a Mythic deck, which, again, like Cargo, you needed to sell a kidney to play. So I went and found one and sold it. Uh, so, um, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, and I also played it in kind of like other roguish decks, um, like they had a, the Polymorph deck that was around for uh, like a day. Um, <laughs> then I picked up some Primeval Titans and played a blue, um, green kind of uh, land ramp type deck. Um, and that was okay. It was fun for a while. And then I decided that um, I would just, I tried Kako, like I said, around the time Besieged came out, and I decided, ah, you know, Stoneforge Mystic, I could tell, was going to be a great card, and sure it was, probably, you know, one of the most broken cards we've seen. Even more broken than Jace, I think. <laughs> in a yes. long time, probably since the old Darksteel days. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so I ended up shipping them off, and I've been, you know, haven't looked back. I've, I've, I've played with my Primeval Titans, and Valakut, and, and an Eldrazi uh, Ramp, and I'm assuming that's what I'll probably keep doing for the next few months until uh, Zendikar rotates out. So, um, but. yeah, that's a good solution to the cargo problem, I think. Yeah, and Stoneforge, uh, you know, Stoneforge is a great card, but it was getting to the point where she was getting used, just like Jace, in every deck that was, you know, placing at these uh, events. Uh, you, you basically had to play white and blue, and then you could splash another color if you wanted to, <laughs> but that was... Yeah, you know, Goblin Guide, in uh, a sense, 
feels a bit like Red's version of Stoneforge. Oh, that's so <laughs> sad to say. Uh, because you really do need to have, I think, four of them in most of your decks. But Well, if you're playing Red, yeah, you're going to run four of them. Yeah, even Big Red, I think, runs runs them just for some early board. Uh, I may Interestingly enough, I've had the opportunity to play a Big Red deck that uh, a friend of mine, Evan, came up with. And uh, it was it was not running Goblin Guides. It actually had very few uh, one and two drops, and it focused mostly on you know getting that Inferno Titan. Um, very good deck, I think. It, it used Metalcraft. Um, sure. The only thing about it that seemed off is that it just wouldn't win. I don't really know why. <laughs> it sounds strange, but I mean, like I, I wasn't the only one who couldn't win with it. It, it looked on on paper like a brilliant deck. And and I really thought it was innovative, and um, I really still to this day wonder why it couldn't win. You know, probably something to do with that Stoneforge Mystic riding the giant batter skull ram down your throat. You know, yeah, just guessing. You know, running over Koth and the Inferno Titan on their way to victory. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That but probably had a lot to do with. You it. know, Stoneforge was a good card even before Batter Skull came out. I mean, let's be honest. You know, Cargo existed before New Phyrexia, but when Batter Skull came out, it was just like, okay, um, I guess Agro can't be played anymore because you know every Cargo player, if they have a stone, a turn two Stoneforge Mystic, is going to have a turn three Batter Skull. <laughs> so that's true. And a turn three goblin guide doesn't deal well with that. No, it does not. It does not. So, uh, on a on a whole, I do think it's a it's good that they decided to ban these cards. It should be interesting to see the way way uh, standard shapes up after this. I really do think Valakut is going to be coming back in force. Uh, you know, prime time uh, slash the you know primeval titan. I think is going to have his day in the proverbial magic sun again for a little while. Um, and we'll see if he gets reprinted in and 2012. All signs are pointing to yes. Probably the Titans are all going to be back, but only Inferno Titan for sure has been spoiled. So we'll see. Uh, Splinter Twin is obviously going to be out there uh, causing havoc. And I think the Agro decks are going to be back in force. I think, you know, Red Deck wins, like Goblin Guides, and uh, I think, you know, things like Vampires uh, are definitely going to get a shot in the arm from waving goodbye to uh, Stoneforge and Mind Sculptor. So. Now, we've talked about this before, but I, we're sort of disapp- it's kind of disappointing when a card like Vampire Nighthawk isn't really playable in Stoneforge. <laughs> That's so true. You know, like, yeah, he's just like, I fly, I have lifelink, I have death touch. What else do you want from me? I'm only three mana. I'm in a vampire. I'm in a, I'm in a, uh, a, a tribe that's played competitively. But <sighs> Lightning Bolt, so... Lightning Bolt beats it, and the other thing that beat it was Sword of Feast and Famine. That's true. You can just slap pro black on something, and uh, you need to have a a deck that's pretty much all in black to play that Nighthawk reliably on turn three. Yeah, it should be interesting to see if some cards like Phyrexian Obliterator actually start seeing play. I mean, the, the problem is, is that this, uh, you know, it's a dismember. Yes. Um, that, that, uh, you, you know, it just is going to kill the Obliterator. And a lot of decks were running it before the Stoneforge uh, and Jason Mind Sculptor banning. Whether or not they will afterwards, because I'm sure the Titans are going to come back, and it doesn't do anything against the Titans unless it's a combat trick. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. It's interesting. It'll be an interesting time to play Standard. I'll, I'll tell you that. So. Yes. Well, you know, uh, to be honest, the banning is really kind of the impetus for us to do this podcast. We've talked about it for a while. 
but we figured we'd have something to actually say. I don't know if you think that uh, our, our opinions have necessarily been informative. Um, like I said, we're sort of just kind of going off of our own experience. Well, but uh, if you have any, uh, any input or uh, would like to give us any feedback, we would love to hear it. meat kind of casual thing. You know, the podcast, we're going to focus on more uh, you know, lowered standards where we want, to, we want to talk about more casual decks that you might bring to F&M and have a good time with. Yeah. And I believe the deck that you wanted to talk about today was one that Wizards featured uh, about uh, three or four weeks ago on their website. It was called Fresh Meat. Yes, what, what are it's your uh, under the uh, building on a budget column, and uh, of course the link is going to be in our show notes. Um, it was built by uh, Jacob Van Lunen. I've played against it. I'm not overly impressed with it. Uh, when it does what it's supposed to do, which is namely uh, create a lot of anemic Girl Scouts, then cast fresh meat to transform them into bodybuilding She-Hulks, it's impressive. Um, but most decks are impressive when they do what they're supposed to. What I didn't care so much about for In Fresh Meat was that it didn't really have a lot of tricks besides Hulk Smash. Now, before we it's, get too far here, Steve, why don't we tell them kind of what's in the deck here? Other than Fresh Meat, which, yes, was in New Phyrexia, he's got, he runs 20 lands, uh, 16 forests and 4 ed- tectonic edges. That's because he does run a lot of mana-producing creatures, um, uh, such as bir- he's got a couple of Birds of Paradise, he's got 4 Arbor Elves and 4 Llanowar Elves. And I think a lot of his creatures... Oh, and four tree speakers, yep. Uh, a lot of his creatures, like Kozilek's Predator and Nest Invader, also add um, Eldrazi spawn tokens to the battlefield. And the way that those things combo is, is that you sac- or sacrifice all of that at some point. Uh, during one turn, you, you cast fresh meat, because all of those Eldra- 0-1 Eldrazi spawn tokens are suddenly dead, but now they're replaced with 3-3 beasts. And it's a good concept. I think it is a good concept. Yep. He runs um, four Beastmaster Ascension, too, to really get the ball rolling so he can run over things. So so it's, a, it's one of those, you know, sort of combo-y aggro decks that is more of a, I'd say more of a mid-game, probably, thing, where they're kind of playing to a mid-late game thing where they want to make tokens and then kill them all and swing in for the win, so. It is. And I'm not going to go so far as to say that it's a bad deck. I don't think it's bad. But when you compare it to other decks that you're probably going to see when you're playing standard. Even on a casual level, mid-to-late game in green uses some pretty big stompy junk. You know, when you've got Eldrazi, when you've got Titans, and your biggest punch-through is, you know, three threes. It's a little little disappointing. Um, I mean, yeah, it can give you that swing kill, but uh, without fresh meat, if for some reason you just can't get fresh meat, you're pretty much dead. Uh, and that's the one thing I didn't like about it. You know, I, I enjoy combo decks as well as aggro decks. Um, I even enjoy control decks, if you can believe that. But I actually think um, the deck might be stronger if it didn't focus so much on hitting that mid-game win. If it focused instead on hitting an early-game win, 
with a lot of these cheap creatures. I think it could be better. Um, I mean, if it doesn't get to explode, it's just not that good. As far as mm-hmm. Mono Green Aggro is concerned, um, I don't know. I think it could be fun in a casual setting, uh, but I don't really see a reason to focus on a card like Fresh mm-hmm. Uh It's relying on combo in an aggro deck, which, in my opinion, splits the focus. I'd rather uh, run a solid core of aggro creatures and toss in a couple control cards like Naturalize to deal with the odd Shrine of Burning Rage or whatever and call it good. Um, I mean, it's cute. But it's not so cute that I'm going to dress it in ribbons and take it to the kennel club. <laughs> no, I guess not. Well, one thing I was going to say, too, is this deck looks an awful lot like, uh, at least a lot of its backbone, um, looks like the old Eldrazi Elves deck, where they would run, you know, four Eldrazi monuments and then kind of be an elf-themed deck. I, you know, I, th- there was some of that around, I'd say, like the release of Scars, because um, people were running, like, Azuri and cards like that. Or, you know, Beastmaster Ascension sometimes was part of that plan. Um, but it kind of looks like that deck, and you know, the deck was fine. I think it gives a lot of like um, mid-range to late uh, game decks some issue. Um, but of course, if if you're playing against a more faster tempo game uh, deck like Red Deck Wins or something, you might have a little bit more problem uh, dealing with them. You're gonna have a lot of zero-one blockers, I suppose, you can throw in front of your the Goblin Guides. But at the end of the day, it's gonna be hard to build up a lot of tokens. I think. Um, to, to get that fresh meat trigger to go off. So, uh, I mean, th- they do have an interesting sideboard option here. They've got um, his sideboard he recommends here on the site here is Two Triumph of the Hordes, which is the Infect Overrun for, uh, see, for four. I think that's just better than fresh meat. Uh, yeah, it's. A, I think it's a decent card, especially if people aren't prepared for it. You know, it can get countered, obviously, but so can fresh meat. And so can uh, Jason, so can oh, Stone and, and oh, that's right. People aren't playing blue anymore because Jason's <laughs> dead. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course, blue is going to survive uh, uh, in some way, shape, or form. I'm sure there's going to be some uh, blue-black control builds, uh, or or maybe even some white-blue control. Or this Winter I, Twin might still exist too. I, I would check out fresh meat, though. It's an interesting card, or interesting deck um, and card. I would be interested to see a deck that proves me wrong. <laughs> that's, that's true. I, I really am. I mean, when I say my opinions on these things, I'm not saying that they're set in stone. These are just the opinions I currently hold. Um, I can I can be persuaded. Uh, if, if I am to see, and I would love to be persuaded, I have been playing, like I said, Mono Green Infect, based off of uh, Mr. Van Lunen's Mono Green Infect, uh, All Infect, I think it was called, All Infect Redux, or Redo, I didn't take French in high school. Uh, I'd love to see it. I I, I would love to see it because I I do love aggro. And this does definitely fit the whole idea of of casual standard decks that are, you know, decent. Uh, The most expensive card in here um, might be Eldrazi Monument. He runs one of them. And right now, according to the magiccards.info, it looks like um, it's running somewhere between 6 and $14, probably more closer to the $10 or less range. And if that's your most expensive card in your deck, you know, that's, that's saying something. So, right. Uh, no, I mean, he's building on a nice budget with that. And obviously, when I'm comparing it to things like Primeval Titan and um, the Eldrazi, I'm sort of comparing them on a high-end spectrum. Here. Of course. It's probably not the course. stuff you'd play in a casual setting. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, this deck, with some tweaks, might uh, might be able to run a little bit more with the big dogs, especially since uh, Day of Judgment is not being played um, right now in the current standard. It's tough to say if that will change after Cobblade. Um 
goes off into that good night, so... I know. When Zendikar rotates, I will be very sad. I'm planning on having a Viking funeral in my backyard for all of my goblin friends. <laughs> Last topic, at least, is going to be the Commander card of the week. Now, just on the advent of these new uh, Commander decks being available, I just received mine in the mail today, and I am itching to open them up and, and uh, you know, do some editing with them and getting the good cards out of there for my Commander decks, because we do love Commander <laughs> here at Lowered ex- or lowered Standards here. <laughs> lowered Expectations is pretty accurate, too. That's, that's well, you know, so... Just like so that Steve, Matt TV sketch, or you know. <laughs> that's right. So, Steve, what what is your uh, what is your commander card of the week? Well, uh, I'm going to be very creative. Go out on a limb here, risk my reputation, and say uh, <laughs> chase the mind sculptor. No, no. I, I, I well, <laughs> Oblivion Ring. Um, I mean, it's not exactly groundbreaking or innovative, but it's it's incredibly effective. It I mean, deals with Jace the Mind Sculptor. It does. It's it's effective removal. It's common. And the number of situations wherein it is dead are so few that it really doesn't seem worthwhile to list them. Suddenly your opponent is wasting his or her naturalized to save his or her creatures instead of using it to stop your absurd Rings of Bright Earth, Basalt, Monolith, Rocket Launcher combo from going off. In a sense, it's easy to talk about cards that are more or less always useful, though, I think uh, I'd like to actually just go against everything I just said and, and issue a, a, a commander challenge. Ooh, commander challenge. Yes. Okay, it's a concept for Mono White that I haven't seen, but I really want to see, which is cantrips. Um, that's a slang for at least in our local area, cards that when you cast them, you get to draw a card. Yeah, they replace uh, themselves and usually do something, you know, like Gataxian Probe would be an example. But that's blue. Yes, yes so. Gataxian Probe is probably, and, and Manamorphos, these are cantrips. Um, I mean, ever since Richard Garfield stretched his hand across the waters and created this like lovely money pit of a hobby, um, White has had the power to kill, exile, dismember, and defenestrate more or less anything. Uh, but it has always lacked the power to draw cards. Um, now, given how important card draw is to magic, I mean, it's it's a bit akin to how important it is for an opera singer to be able to sing, or, for that matter, to be able to breathe or have a pulse. I mean, it's not a very small, easy-to-overlook weakness. I mean, even green has harmonize. Green. I mean, all green does is play creatures, buff creatures, and lose to blue. Um, but it has better card draw spells than white. And, uh, yeah, <clears throat> sorry about that. Anyway, uh, that said, there are nearly 96 white cards in Magic with draw a card in their text somewhere. Some of them are cyclers, um, but some of them, like Abeyance, are even playable. I mean, I'd love to see uh, mono-white card advantage done as a commander deck. So I'm, I'm going to throw that out there as a challenge to our listeners, um, both of you. 
Uh, now that I've recommended every deck runs Oblivion Ring, I'd love for you to blatantly disregard my advice and share what you come up with. That sounds that sounds like a fantastic challenge. And like I, like I said about Oblivion Ring, you know, at least since we were originally talking about it before you got on your soapbox there, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it is a very handy card. It's one of those cards that. You know, white does have the ability to deal with a lot of different permanents in Commander. I mean, it has Disenchant. It has um, cards that do very similar things. It has you know, Swords of Plowshares, Path to Exile for creatures. It's got Wrath of God. It's got Day of Judgment. It's got everything, you know, that you could want as far as destroying stuff. Um, you know, Oblivion Ring does kind of sum it up, though, as like, you know, I, I don't like that you have that Jace over there, and I thought he was banned in standard, so now I'm going to ban him in our game. You know, that's kind of the level that he's going through there. So, um, so yeah, I do like Oblivion Ring. I think it's a it's a interesting card, and, and it can be used to deal with a, a lot of different problems that might come up in horribly broken commander games at various points in time. Especially if you got to stop a combo from going off. I think that about wraps it up for this week, Steve. So, any last thoughts yes. you want to leave, leave with our listeners here? Well, there's the um, always useful Never Pet a Burning Dog. Um, I guess I'll leave you with that. That sounds great. And we're planning on making this kind of a weekly thing. We're probably going to focus on um, other casual standard slash FNM level type decks. We might even break down some of these event decks that have been coming out, talk, tell you how you can modify them. And just for the record, you can't modify this yet. War of uh, Attrition deck, unless you want to take the Stoneforge Mystics out. <laughs> but... Yeah. Until until next week, folks. Uh, I think we'll we'll sign off. Um, have a great night, and uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Yar. <laughs>